Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Government have been trying to say this has been unpredictable, but they need to be more creative and ambitious than that. I've had to go and set up a petition to try and get this over the line. I brought it to our minister. I brought it to the department. Nobody is listening. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96fm. Good morning. What a weekend. What a weekend in Cork. That weird, weird story, that very shocking story of that attack with a corrosive substance. I was listening to it develop over the weekend and thinking, is this what we've become in 2022? And I know it's before the courts and I'm not going to say anything because it is before the courts. We're not allowed to say anything because it is before the courts. But if you saw the Sunday world yesterday, you have seen a, a possible motivation behind what who gives a damn we have what amounts to an acid attack in our city on a Friday night at at 9 o'clock when you're at the time when some of us are sitting down to crack open a bottle of beer and maybe watch the Late Late Show or watch something on Netflix you've got these kind of things happening in a quiet suburb of our city very very strange Petrol, 197 for petrol as I was coming through Douglas this morning. There's a kind of a super grade petrol in the same garage and it's 207. And I said, that's got to be a misprint. No. So we've got 197 for basic unleaded in Douglas this morning, 207 for the what you might call the super unleaded, if you want a good name for it. Kevin says in new in new market one ninety seven. If someone can justify now not reducing the VAT and duty, I want to hear it. Oh yeah. Well, we'll see if anyone can justify not reducing the VAT and duty. I was at the uh, city hall Saturday afternoon. Went in to meet the wonderful staff at the vaccination centre in there. They closed yesterday. Moving operations now to to North Main Street, but the vaccination centre in City Hall closed on Sunday evening. All clinics, hse.ie for all details of clinics. They've moved 
to North Main Street now and I was there Saturday to meet some of the staff. We'll let you hear that later on. Also, Breakthrough Cancer Research, great friends of Cork's 96FM. They have a new study to improve treatments and ahead of International Women's Day, which is tomorrow, something for you to get involved in, something easy for you to get involved in. I want you to have a think about it and I'll tell you how it works in a little while. I want you to choose for us, I want you to choose for us the most inspirational woman in Cork. The Cork 96 FM inspirational woman of 2022. Have a think about that I'll tell you how it works a little bit later. But first we want to head to what we don't want to head. To head. We wish we didn't have to head to the war zone. Um... Lilia is currently unavailable to us because of signal and all that where she is. Um, but her friend, PJ, interestingly enough, PJ, you are in that part of the world at the moment. Tell me more. Good morning to you. Hi, hi. Good morning. Uh, yeah, I'm just uh, right now in Poland and uh, I'm just, you know, waiting for her. I'm trying to organize logistically her. Uh, from from the north to to just cross the border. She's waiting for, on the border right now. It's gonna be. She's waiting from waiting from yesterday. She was there around I think 1 p.m. So she's still there. So you can imagine how long she has to wait. Uh, there's a problem with the gasoline. It's like there's no gasoline in the gas stations uh, in the eastern sorry western part of Ukraine. And uh, it's just madness. Like yeah. we was in the night, he was think he was trying to help her even with the gasoline. That you know she's yeah. not gonna have the situation that her car is just gonna stop and she's not gonna move. Tell she me was, about uh, your friend. Her name is her name is Lilia. Last yeah. Night. Yep. Tell me about her. Yes, yes. So uh, Lilia, she, she's you know a normal woman who is working in Ukraine. She's working in IT company, Hebronsoft, uh, who is making the service for the U- Canadian and American companies. Uh, the thing is, she was having normal life, but, you know, from last week, it's everything madness there. And she just ran away from Lvov to, to, to her family in the mountains near to the Slovakia border. Yeah. And uh, and then, you know, and then she was waiting what's going to happen. When I was f- first, because she's my colleague, I was calling to her. She was saying, like, listen, don't worry. Heroes gonna you know <laughs> protect us you know the boys gonna protect us uh, no worry like uh, it's, the war is gonna end in a couple of days that's that that's what they thinking they thinking that's really like they they gonna have the situation right now which I don't believe to be honest yeah. they did they, but, you know, they did think your line is cracking up a little on me they did think that the war would be over in in just a few days but unfortunately far from that now so so you live in douglas pj i know and you yes i'm I'm living in douglas you went over to poland to try to help lilia get out is that right yeah 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 because to be honest this is like about the poland it's probably the first country when you have the humanitarian crisis we don't have in poland any Hundred thousand people already crossed the border with the Poland, and everybody are going to the private houses. Nobody, nothing like that. Everybody are welcome in the Polish houses. So you know, when I heard this that this is happening, I I, I have I have a situation that there is an empty apartment after my grandmother. I said, why not? Yeah. Why not? We have to help. Like you know, like sure. uh, it's, it's the time. You can't you know refuse the help right now. 
I didn't have contact with Lilia for 15 years. We met in 2007 in Lvov. Like she was a student of journalism. Uh, she was helping me. I was there on from the on the mission on the OSCE uh, as an international observer for the election. She was helping me without any you know uh, sure. any doubt. The thing is, the thing is, 15 years later, I was thinking first thing when I heard about Ukraine, call to Lilia. Maybe she needs help. When I was calling to her, when I was calling to her, first what she said, like, listen, I don't want to go. The best country where I want to go is Ukraine. Yes. I want to just stay. Yes. That's it. But I'm not going to go anywhere. And I was talking with her. I said, like, listen, this is maybe the last time you can evacuate right now. Because what you're going to do in next week, you're going to be crossing the border. You're going to be going by your car with the kids and everything. And you're going to meet some Russian uh, patrol. Come on. Yeah. She was talking with her husband, everything. Uh, then, you know, then, uh, you know, she has a dog. It's just like simple issues, right? She has a dog or something. I said, like, there's no problem with the dog. Bring the dog. Yeah. It's yeah. just, you know, well, a whole week, whole week, we, yeah. we're living with the nerves and everything. So it's she's had to stressful. pack everything up and, and leave her husband, uh, father of her children, behind her. Um, very, very Yeah, you can just imagine. You can just... Yeah. You can just imagine this, because imagine that. You have to look in the eyes, like, you know, of your husband and wife, and you don't know that you're going to... Kids have to say goodbye, Dad, and it's not goodbye, it's not like immigration... We're going to try and get you back on a different line because the line is just not cooperating. Some of the lines to that part of the world are brilliant. Some of them collapse a bit. So we'll see if we can get you back on a clearer line, uh, PJ, in just a couple of minutes. Jean says we should highlight the Airbnb initiative where people can rent accommodation in Ukraine, which they obviously can't use at the moment, but the rental fee is then going directly to the owner's account to financially support people in Ukraine, which is a pretty good idea. Just another way that you can help, and of course a great way that you can help too, is through our Red Cross appeal, which is a very simple way, very effective way. The Red Cross are getting as much cash as they can. And we're asking you to support the Cork's 96 of M Ukraine crisis appeal with the fighting and the shelling continuing every minute. And as we're hearing there from PJ about his friend Liliana and her children who are trying to get over the border to safety into Poland, she's had to leave her husband behind. She's had to leave her home behind. She's coming over the border. He's actually quite a friend. What a buddy. They've only met a few times. They haven't seen each other for years. But this guy is friend enough to get on a plane and go to Poland to try to get her over the border to safety. And the Irish Red Cross needs your help with stuff like this and getting money out there to the agencies that can help. And you can donate now to the Cork's 96FM Ukraine Crisis Appeal. All you do is pop on to 96fm.ie forward slash aid and we'll take it from there. All right, it's back hopefully on a better line uh, right PJ I was just saying there uh, you know what a friend you haven't seen her for 15 years but you felt you had to go and try to help you're, you're a great fella uh, no it's not me it's not about me She's, I'm totally you know not important here the important is Lydia this is a really strong woman she's a strong mother She's helping right now to her kids to not suffer. This is the most important. We, we have to think about this crisis, the humanitarian crisis that's happening in Ukraine. Like even if you're going to hear about Sean Penn, Sean Penn was crossing the border by the food, Polish-Ukraine border. And he said in the first interview in CNN, he said, 
I, I was in Iraq, I was everywhere, I never saw something like that. That the whole line, whole line of the cars was with the woman with the children. No male, no man, mm. nothing. Yeah. Just a woman with children. And that's why, you know, it's like people asking me, what's the difference between the refugees from other country and Ukraine? Maybe you're a little bit cynic because you're helping them because, you know, they're neighbors. And, you, and I'm saying, like, listen, this is first time what I hear that we have to help generally. We have to help to the woman and children. That's why people in Poland, whatever the status they have, they're living in county, they're living in a big city. They're just saying, like, listen. I'm taking care because that could be my wife, my kids. Yes. And if you're going to go on, on Facebook or wherever you do, if you're going to see the faces of the kids. Yes. Then you're going to understand, like, you don't have a choice. This is right now. This is If you don't want to help right now, it's a choice that like, you have to look in the eyes of your own child and just say, like, you know what? I'm privileged. I'm happy right now. And I don't care. Because if you will be having a problem, I don't believe it. Yeah. Are, are you hoping that eventually when, and we, we will hope to speak with her tomorrow when she's in an area that she can actually pick up a signal from us. And, for sure, for sure. I, the... Are you hoping to bring her to Cork? Uh, to be honest, no, because she said to me, no, I'm going to come to you, no worry, but I'm coming for a short stay, short stay. And I said, okay, Lydia, that, that's, the, that's the compromise, because she is really believing that the war is going to end soon. Yeah. And the thing is, it's, it's not going to end soon, right? I was watching also, I was watching the media, I was watching the CNN and everything. Uh, like, uh, Americans, they, it was like whole night. Whole night they were saying that the Poland is going to send the air fighters, the MiG-29, right? The Russian uh, air fighters. Then I hear the menti from the Polish government in the morning that we don't send the airplanes. We're not going to use our airports to, you know, for, for Ukrainian army. It's just... To be honest, like what I'm trying to say, many people are helping, thousands, millions of people try to help, and there is totally no support from the government. I don't feel that there is nothing happening. Like President Zelensky, he said to the Americans when they said, like, we're going to take you from the Kiev. He said, no, man, I don't need the right. I need ammo. That's right. He's an incredible. They just want to fight. He's an incredible fellow. I think you made a very good point there, PJ, a minute or two ago. And and let's maybe stress it a little bit more before I leave you go. And thanks for being with me uh, from uh, Poland. This is women and children. The people coming to the border are women and children. We can't overstress that, can we? Yeah, that's the thing. It's, you know... Uh, what I'm trying to say also, it's like you have to think that you're helping to families, not to the like generally some humanitarian situation. You're helping to the woman who doesn't know. Lilia, I, I was talking with her, and she was at one point she was telling to me, "Yeah, I have everything under control." Then she's on the border, and I hear she's telling me, "Gasol is almost over." And I was saying to her, "Like, why you didn't bring uh, like some extra? You know, uh, it, it's like." And my wife is saying, like, why, why are you complaining to her? Like, <laughs> she's in distress. It's just everybody nervous. Everybody, it's, a, it's a chaotic situation. The best thing right now is just helping directly to our Ukrainians. Just go, if everybody can go to some groups on the Facebook, everything. There are people from Ukraine who are trying, trying to just reach some help, direct help. 
You can, okay. you know, there is organization, there is Red Cross, there is everything, but that's the formality, bureaucracy. It's going to be a long time. Right now, that people need really, in, they they waiting every minute for them. I know. It's, it's, it's important. How long so do you think it'll be, PJ? How long do you think it'll be before you see your friend? I know she's stuck behind the border. Have you any idea when it might be when you get to see her today? Uh, to be honest, uh, I, I'm thinking right now to go even uh, in direct on the border. Uh, I think I think tomorrow, uh, tomorrow for sure. I I I, I maybe this night. Uh, you know, it's it's fluid situation. It's like it like she's she's going crossing the border. There's a problem because her car doesn't have green card, uh, which she doesn't have insurance for going to Poland. So she's gonna have to make the insurance for 30 days in the border. She have to go to the veterinary with the uh, whole the process about the dog. It's just madness. So the thing is, uh, and she and she's just tired. Like she, uh, she told me, like you know that. I know. Well, you know, you're 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 a hell of a friend. You're a hell of a friend. Uh, PJ, uh, that's just your nickname. Premislav is his name, but PJ he goes by. You're, you're a hell of a friend, and would that we all had a friend like you that would just pack up, pack your bags, and buy a plane ticket to get there to try and help us get over the border when a time of need. What a guy! Oh uh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. As I say, we're trying to contact. We will contact Liliana when we can set up a line that might hold for more than a few seconds. And again, to remind you, if you want to help situations like that, get aid to where it's needed using the Irish Red Cross. You can go to the Corks ninety six FM Ukraine Crisis Appeal ninety six FM forward slash aid. That doesn't mean, by the way, that if you're having collections or transport, or taking trucks, or buses, or anything over there, that we won't mention it for you. We have our own operation, which is there. But if you've got something going on, we're more than happy to let you know, or to let people know about it. 0818 96 96 96. Now, before I go to the break, here's what I want you to help us with for tomorrow, which is International Women's Day. And look, we'll be marking the occasion um, as you'd expect. But we also want you to contribute. We want you to choose who we will name as the Cork's 96FM opinion line inspirational woman of 2022. Now, we don't have any lavish ceremonies or anything like that. Just we want to know who are the women that our listeners look up to and respect the most. At this point, at this point, March of 2022, is it somebody well-known? Or somebody we don't know at all, but who you think deserves recognition. Somebody from today, from this week, this month, this year, or somebody from history. You choose, you let us know. Many names would come to mind. Many names. We're not going to make any suggestions. This one is entirely your call. So what do you do? Will you send us a text or a WhatsApp to 083-396-9696? Give us the name of who you want to nominate. You can give your own name if you want. You don't need to. And when we get all those names then, we will choose a top three of the most inspirational women and then tomorrow we'll hold a vote. We'll do a poll across all of our various platforms and just before midday tomorrow, we'll let you know who you've chosen as the Cork's 96FM opinion line inspirational woman of 2022. So get get nominating, get naming people and... Give us plenty of names to choose from so that we can pick a top three and get going at it for tomorrow. 083 396 96 96. Can we just talk? 
the opinion line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. We've just given away thousands of euro on the Cork's 96FM cash cow. I will win Megan Moolah. 350 euro. Chris, 350. Oh, I'm taking a run. I'm taking, taking a, a run, run, man. 350 euro is all Woo. yours. 250 euro. Yeah. Let's go. Take it, take it. <laughs> Fifty euros. Congratulations to all our winners. With Mahan Point for fashion, film, food, and fun. Don't wait till the cows come home. Get moving to Mahan Point. See mahanpointsc.ie. Stay listening for our next big way to win. For our next big way to win. Only on Cork's 96FM. 96FM.ie forward slash aid to help with our Ukraine appeal. Now, Tatiana, you were listening to me talking to Liam from the Red Cross on Friday. And you figured he might be able to help with with your dad. Tell me me what's happening. Well, you see, my dad... um he, he he thankfully we are not we are safe from point of view we are in the west of ukraine so we're relatively safe we don't have our towns not getting bombed as yet but however i was thinking to take my dad out he due to his health he just won't be able to make the journey come to a border you see because the queues are now six three to six days people literally trying to move 20, 30 kilometers. So they're sitting in the cars. Due to his condition, he just won't be able to take the journey. He won't make it to the border physically. So I was sitting and waiting until the, um, perhaps there would be humanitarian corridor or perhaps there would be some other way to bring him over. And also, um, I couldn't move him from a friend of a friend of a friend. He just wouldn't, his, his health wouldn't be able for it. So when I heard Liam Dwyer now talking on your um, show on Friday, I realized, oh my God, Red Cross, that's what they're for, that's what they can actually do. So I was so grateful now to you when you actually did pass my number because talking to Liam, he actually ran me in person. I I was absolutely in bits when he ran me because I wasn't expecting, I thought perhaps he passed it to somebody else and that would be so, I would be grateful for that alone, you know? Yeah. Uh, so at the moment, uh, be, be, I, I, I imagine being Friday afternoon when I was talking to Lim Dwyer now, and he did not give me any promises he can't, he's not in that position, but he did say to me that he will speak to somebody on the Red Cross Ukraine, and I assume as soon as the corridor, the humanitarian corridor will be open, there will be plenty of people who, due to his their health conditions, need to be taken by the Red Cross or an ambulance, you yeah. see, so that's where I am at. Yeah. Well, it's really frightening, Tatiana, listening over the weekend and what I personally found frightening. So if I did and someone with people there, how they must feel. Even when a corridor was opened to get people out, I didn't stop the bombing. I I have, like, we in the west of Ukraine, we are so far remote from booming, and all of my friends, we are all so tired and stressed. It's a constant, I thought, I'm here in Ireland, I'm miles away, absolutely miles away. 
And I find myself now that instead of bring my kids to school and go to the gym, go for a coffee, I'm actually Googling where to find bulletproof jackets, where to find helmets, where can we outsource generators, where can we outsource batteries. Like my, my world even here turned upside down. Like, yeah. And you know what? It's very difficult. You feel very lonely because it's very difficult to explain your friends what you feel. Okay. You know, because you, you kind of think everybody gets it. But, like, everybody still go and still live their lives, which I, I assume we have to. Like, I, But, like, I, I, I personally now for the last couple of days just decided that I'm going to try to kind of adjust to this new normal somehow because I thought I'm going to have a nervous breakdown on Friday. We've done, as the Ukrainian community here in Cork, we've done an amazing job. Every, and Irish people are incredible. Mm. We've been doing so much. I went from ordinary mom dropping my kids to school, go for a coffee to talking to several different um, uh, radio stations. I meet, I'm emailing people like I minister of children. Uh, I emailed to Rodrik Gorman. Right, I met yeah. a mayor of Cork, now call him Kelleher, shake hands with them and ask what we're going to do and stuff like that. I have Lima Dwyer now, I've been talking to him. So I like... To me, it's very overwhelming as well because I'm not I'm not set up for that. All this yeah. administrative work, all this uh, protest. I've been to four to five different protests in a space of like less than a week. We've done so many fundraisers. We physically assess Ukrainian women based in Cork now. Between we all spread between Clonakilty, Cariga Line, Bandon. Like I'm based in Kinsale. We all go to Cork. We all go to our warehouses and all the donations we get. We actually physically repacking them. We we labeling them in the boxes. Now we all exhausted, you know. And know. we still have our lives here. We still have our kids. I know. You know, and, and, and are you and able to talk to your dad, Tatiana? Are you able to chat with him? I have. Good. I have. I was talking to him just what days today. I was talking to him just yesterday morning, mm. and I mentioned to him because I mentioned before that I would try to get him out, and he, being an old man and not want to want to trouble me, he says, "Oh, it's okay. I'm just gonna die here. Like it's mm. I'm, I'm okay." But he, like, he can't. I just need to pull him out, you know. And mm. um, I did say to him that, look, I'm not going to take you if it's friend of a friend because I'm aware that you probably won't make it to the border. But if I could organize a Red Cross, if I could organize an ambulance, I said I will try. But mm. clearly I will speak to you before that, you and, know. And he, Tatiana, you may have told me this before. How far is he from the border in terms of, say, our drive? He's not that far. He's not that far in terms of, uh, like, before, without traffic, it could take him less than six hours to get to the border. Today, I believe it could take you six days. Yes, and that's what you worry you about. You know, that he I was talking to that. the girl now that came back. Um, she came back. Um, basically, she left Kyiv on Thursday, and she made it to the border on Tuesday. She traveled six days. The journey took her 10 hours. Yeah. But she said that they spent three days moving distance of 20 to 30 kilometers. So wow. they literally sat in the cars, literally sat. And she says they are lucky they were young people. They said the people with children, they need to use, like it's the, all the hygiene, the bathrooms, they literally go next to the, the car. Yeah. Like it just, and that's probably the least of their worries. Do you you know, know, because they, they're the ones that lucky, they're trying to flee. You know, the, the people who are on the south come to Mariupol, Kharkiv, Kherson, those people are in, in dire straits. they literally, you know, dying, you know. Yeah. Tatiana, you know, I, over the weekend I was looking at some of the coverage on, on the various news channels. In the end, I, I turned it off. I couldn't take it anymore. And that's me. 
I mean, for someone know, like I you know. looking at your country going through this, how... I know. I don't know how I you're dealing with this. I just say this morning now, I went because I don't follow too many news. My husband does it for me. I just ask, I just wake up and say, are we, are we okay? He says, yeah, it's well, literally. He just waved his hand because I just, I found very overwhelming for the first four days. I was reading various news. I was following the Yovo news and BBC. I was following my Kyiv news and I was following my own Rivna news. And I found myself until two, four o'clock in the morning reading and reading and reading. And I just said, so, okay, this is going to, my mental health is going to go. But even this morning, I woke up and I checked my own city because I still follow a briefing from the Ukrainian president. I'm following a briefing from my own city back in town. I'm working with the local volunteers back in my own city because they distribute all the help that they get from Poland across the border. Well, not only from Poland. It's just my city works from Polish border, but help coming from Germany, from Ireland, from all over the world. And... Um, as soon as I just check my own news this morning, there's another three lads coming back in coffins now. You know, they died. So that's what we're dealing with as well. My best friend now, my sister, thankfully living in Germany, so she's safe and away from the troubles. But her best friend, after being shot as well, come back dead on the very first bombing of Kyiv because he was fighting there. Have three kids, PJ. They have three kids. And you know what this was? I was listening his wife. I was listening to her interview. She was even to a local paper on the day of the, her, her husband's funeral. I'm sorry, teacher. And you know what she says? She says, guys, don't stop halfway. Keep fighting. My husband didn't die for us to give up. And you know what? The, the bravery of people is incredible. I don't think I, I think I'd be a broken person if, if my husband came back dead, you know, and have three kids. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, no, I hate it. It's okay. It's okay. I'm, I'm, it's I'm, just I'm... so bloody disturbing. And it's, so, it's so not right. It's just so not right. No. You know? I'm sorry. But no, not, hey, don't I you the... dare apologize, I actually, Chachana. I actually go by sometimes very, very well. And now and then I just no, can't no. help myself. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised you can hold it together as well as you're doing. You, listen, if anyone can sort your dad out, It'll be the Red Cross. You know that. And listen, and my, and my dad is okay. I'm actually the really, we are the lucky ones. It's just because and if he's in a poor health, you know, I, I would know. have probably pulled him out through our friends if I could. It's just he won't make it. That's also, I rely on yeah. the help. Okay. And he's relatively safe, you know, we, because uh, we're across the river, we're across, so we're close to the Polish border. Um, but it's just, he, he has um, lung conditions, so he can't walk too far without his inhalers and stuff, oh. you know, so he just won't make it. And he is, um, he got glaucoma a few years back and he never made, had an operation. So his second eye was catching up. So he getting, he getting blind, you know. So I managed to see him now. Like the last two years been difficult with COVID and restrictions because I couldn't see him. But I managed to see him last August. I think I can't remember now when the the first vaccinations came out and so on. And I remember when he was looking at me, I knew his eye, the second eye catch up. He couldn't properly see me like, you know. So it's just, he won't, he needs somebody else to help him you know and it has to be somebody with medical support you know okay. otherwise i wouldn't i wouldn't be bothering now lima dwyer those guys are now make, doing such an amazing job and trying to help and everybody support you know it's just that the desperation levels are just you know well, the anxiety levels and desperation is just so high you know what you've got your little people there with you go and hug them Katiana. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Listen, thank you so much. You're and more than welcome. I, I just want to express my gratitude to Irish people. The Irish community is absolutely incredible and amazing. They opened the doors at the moment because I'm trying to volunteer as well in coordination between the Irish and Ukrainians arriving in Ireland as well. 
Okay. However, we've proven a bit difficult because we are not registered with uh, Red Cross or Doras or any other organizations, which I would probably need to volunteer in order to be heavily involved. But um, well. the amount of messages I got on the first night, I think 200 people literally exploded the Ukrainian core group and were offering their doors to um, Ukrainian families. So I just want to express the gratitude from the bottom of our hearts, and I'm sure every Ukrainian person feels the same. Okay. You know, we, we feel we feel the support. It's a, so thank you. Thank as, you. as all I can say to everybody that you know back home, your dad and everybody that you know, all we can do is wish them safety. That's all we can do. Thank you. Thanks, PJ. Tatiana, thank you. take care of yourself. Uh, bye-bye. Uh, wow. You, you, just, you just have no words in response to that, do you? Can we just talk? Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Let's go! We roll out the biggest hits. Weeknights from 8 on Cork's 96FM. The Hit Mix. Hits from the best music mix. The Hit Mix. The Hit Mix. The Hit Mix with Shane Bucks. Weeknights, 8 till late. Only on Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, how do you, uh, how do you follow that up? Just... The, the emotion of it all. Here she is, living here in Kinsale. She's quite safe. Her dad, as she said, quite safe. But her friends and her family, her sister, her sister's best friend just lost her husband. They have three kids. And all of this just continuing day in and day out now. And no sign of an end to it. No sign that ever was of an end to it. Uh, Billy Kelleher, Finfall MEP for Ireland's South, paid a visit over the weekend to that part of the world. Billy, I understand you got in as far as Lviv from where Fergal Keane was talking to us last week. And there's a lot of people concentrated there because it's close to the border and a relatively safe place. You're back in Poland now. How, how, why, why did you want to feel you wanted to go there? Good morning, Billy. Good morning, PJ. Well, we were invited there. Um, my political grouping, Fianna Fáil, is also an affiliate party in the Ukraine. In fact, uh, President Zelensky's um, political party um, is the one that is affiliated. So um, they invited us over last week to go to the border first and to just to see, um, you know, the, the, the challenges. But when we actually got to the Polish border, they then asked, would we consider going across? And, um, you know, we did an assessment on the safety and the impact that it would have. And um, they assured us that, look, we would be able to go as far as Lviv and um, meet with the governor, meet with the mayor, just meet with uh, other political groupings. And uh, just to see firsthand the huge uh, suffering and trauma of people as they leave Ukraine and try to get across the border in Poland and in Slovakia and Hungary and elsewhere. So, I mean, it was for that purpose, PJ, we went in the first place. Mm. But then uh, we went a step further and actually went into the Ukraine uh, for um, all day yesterday. Yeah, Billy, you and I know each other a very long time. I can hear emotion in your voice. You've seen some tough things. Yeah, yeah PJ, I'll be honest, I mean, you, you would. Um, I saw, um, you know, a father saying goodbye to his... Um, a child with a profound disability yesterday, hugging his wife and his 12 or 13-year-old daughter. 
Um, he took him to the border um, and he was going being obviously back because he's of a, of a fighting age. So he was going back to the front or at least not able to leave the Ukraine because young men aren't leaving the Ukraine. Um, it's mainly women, um, children and elderly people, people with disability, standing for hours and hours and hours, days actually, on the roads, um, trying to get across the border into Poland. And um, it, it really is harrowing. And um, now they're very um, resilient and they're quite disciplined. You know, but uh, you can see the fear in their face. You can see the concern. Um, they're not agitated yet in the sense that, you know, it's not breaking down. They're very structured. But we needed to do an awful lot more to get them across. But, yeah, uh, PJ, it was harrowing uh, being truthful. Mm-hmm. And then you hear the stories of the of, of people that, um, you know, have family and friends over there um, who've lost loved ones. And um, you didn't realize that, you know, you know, a couple of hundred miles of where... Uh, further east where we were you know is is a, is a war zone where um bombs are raining down yeah. on civilian targets and the russians really have um taken um this um uh, you know attack on civilians to a whole new level altogether it really is appalling yeah. even when we're told there's a corridor to get people out the bombing doesn't stop yes uh, we met the governor of um Live yesterday, and he had informed us um, in advance of the most recent announcement that um, Mariupol was effectively just being flattened. Um, he's he was talking to the governor there. Um, they provided a safe corridor, and when the people were trying to flee, um, then bombs uh, started falling on the actual safe corridor. So they actually had to go back into the shelters again. And um, you know, we may not build, or we they may not build to evacuate, and um, it certainly is going to be a major problem. But PJ, like as the bombing intensifies as Russian aggression moves to a whole new level. They're now bombing civilian targets, communication targets, uh, factories, um, electricity installations, communications. They, you know, they're they're systematically destroying um, the Ukraine. You're going to have more and more people coming uh, to the eastern side and wanting to get into the European Union. There's a million and a half have crossed the borders already into the European Union, and um, you know the UN um, Commission on Refugees. And others that are experts in this area say it could be multiples of that will arrive yeah. at the border. So we have to put some systems in place that we don't have yeah. elderly people standing. It's actually snowing here as I speak to you. Uh, not, not heavily, but it's very cold. It's minus one. Mm. And what, and, what um, can we know. do, Billy? I mean, I don't know just we as individuals, but like this is literally a surge of people coming over the border to try to get into the EU, which is a safe place for them. Well, what do we do once they're there and we give them a, a bowl of soup and, and something to eat and maybe some clothes and painkillers and stuff, clothes for their children? What can we do for them then? Well, I think the first thing we have to do is get them out of the Ukraine faster. I mean, they're standing, uh, like there's this twi- there's a 20-kilometre tailback of cars in one of the crossings that we saw yesterday. Uh, a five-kilometre uh, queue of people standing maybe three or four abreast, um, elderly people, people in wheelchairs, young kids being carried by their mums, their suitcases, standing on the side of the road. Uh, like what I believe we should do is we should allow them come into the European Union and then process them inside because they will feel safe once they're across the border. Their, their fear is that something will come down the road behind them, a Russian tank or um, a military aircraft uh, bombing or you know attacking them. That's the fear they have. So if they were in the European Union, we could then, um, you know, um, treat them, shelter them, uh, feed them, clothe them, uh, and then move them on to um, other areas for emergency accommodation and then disperse them to so homes eventually. A bit like, and it's look, it's probably a very rough comparison, but a, a bit like what we do at Shannon Airport here when someone is going to America. We do all the processing on this side. In other words, you're saying let them across the border, let them in, and we'll do the processing just inside. 
Yes, I, I think that will be something that, um, I, in fact, we're doing a report here at the moment, uh, you know, just to ask that the European Commission might just look at that to support Poland. In fairness, Poland is doing wonderful work as a country mm. and as a community. You see NGOs, um, local government, national government, just uh, people just coming up helping in any way. But like we are now talking about potentially three or four million people on the move from eastern Ukraine into western Ukraine and wanting to cross the border mm. and uh, we will have to put facilities in place otherwise you'll have you know millions of people stuck terrified for days and days and end young people and uh, you know many elderly people as well mm. you don't see young men at the borders you just don't see them there they yeah. um, are dropping their families or their families are going of their own volition yeah. while the young men are obviously back in the um, eastern Ukraine on the, on the front It is nearly all women and children and like you say elderly people people with disabilities people not able to fight Yes Billy, yeah, we're, we're, we really are looking at, look, even if the war ended tomorrow, even if Putin decided to stop tomorrow, we're still facing a massive humanitarian crisis because unfortunately many of these people who fled, they don't have a home to go back to now because their home has been shelled. Yes, I mean, there's two things. I mean, if Putin decides to leave the Ukraine and go back into the the original borders, you know, you might have some chance of people actually going back to where they are. But I mean, if he stays and holds the ground that he has, you know, many of these people will not want to go back into a new Russia uh, in the Ukraine. They will be fearful. They'll be terrified. Mm. And uh, plus the fact that... Um, Kharkiv is a city, uh, Mariupol is a city, from what I can gather and speaking to people who were actually there, um, you know, it, it, they've been devastated. They've been flattened, um, huge um, amounts of the cities destroyed from aerial bombardment, from artillery bombardment into civilian targets. This is not strategic. This is just uh, displacing uh, people. Mariupol is about a quarter of a million people um, stuck there at the moment. So it really is... Uh, a, tra a tragedy unfolding before our eyes. Billy, it almost seems a little unkind to discuss the, the, the cost of fuel at the pumps while this is ongoing for these misfortunate people. But what's happening over there is having a number of effects here, namely the fact that I drove through Douglas this morning to see 207 for a litre of, of unleaded petrol and 197 for a litre of standard unleaded. And there's no sign of it stopping. It's going inexorably towards and over the two euro for everything. Can we do anything about that? Well, I mean, if you look at the Ukraine, they're after running out of diesel in some of the pumps and um, when you were driving through the countryside uh, yesterday, you could see some places already closed and um, the military police out there keeping an eye on places that still have so that it's not, you know, there's not too many people calling to take what's left. Um yeah, I mean, food prices are going to... I, ca I can't see how um, inflation can be kept at the target of 3 or 4% that we, we always like to talk about. Food prices are going to go uh, get very expensive. Uh, Ukraine, again, is the bed basket in terms of wheat production, a lot of barley production. Um, that's going to have a, a profound impact across global commodity prices and then fuel on top of that, fertilizer prices as well. So all of these things are going to feed in uh, to the, the cost of food to ordinary families in Ireland, and that is going to be... A very significant challenge, like fertilizer, for example, is made by gas, primarily nitrogen uh, is used, mm. is, is turned into fertilizer. 
Um, it is very expensive already, but um, this war will make uh, it even more expensive because we will be embargoing, obviously, Russian gas. And um, then you will have a, the dual aspect of no planting, probably, of crops. And the Ukraine this year, I saw a lot of the ground being ploughed or had just been ploughed mm. that would have been ready for spring uh, planting in the Ukraine. It's a massive country, PJ. I mean, I was only in a tiny part of it. Yeah. It's a thousand miles from east to west, a thousand miles. It's 500 miles from north to south. It's, it's a huge country. Mm. And, um, you know, they won't be crop planting this year uh, yeah. in many parts of it. In my going cause so it's going to cause a Is it time, uh, Billy, and, uh, you know, your, your own party is in government here at home, is it time for just to take the pressure off ordinary families, like you say here at home, is it time to start thinking very seriously about the nearly a euro that is taken in VAT and excise from every litre of fuel? Well, I mean, clearly they're going to have to do some assessment on that. I mean, it, it is, it is um, you know, obviously inflating the price as well on top of the, the market price out there. I mean, there was a rebate for electricity bills there mm. that, that will be coming out over the next number of years. But certainly fuel, particularly for families that are in rural areas that are traveling long distances to and from school, to and from work, that is going to be a significant additional cost. You can sense it already. I mean, you're filling your car now. It's 120 or 130 It's demented. It's demented. Uh, but long, you, you could slash. Not, not, not the, the government long. could slash excise duty. If they wanted to, couldn't they? Just like that. Well, I mean, a, a government could, uh, a government could, but I mean, the difficulty here, PJ, is and, and and the concern is like that. You know, you you, you cut it. Um, you know, is is it for everybody that you cut it, or is it just for those that are using uh, large amounts of it? Why not for everybody? For those that are dependent. Why not just do it for everybody well, for a I few mean, months? Yes, I mean, it's something that should be looked at in terms of, you know, if we can keep it at a reasonable um, level. But I mean, this could hit 220. Yeah, that's uh, very, the very point. Quickly. That's the exact point I'm making. And the excise is a fixed rate. It's presently around 60 cents per litre. You have a fixed yes, rate that so is there at the, in the gift of Pascal Donoghue and Michael McGrath to cut just like that. They could do it if they want to. Well, well certainly... It's it's a decision that government could make. Um, they have ruled it out today, but I mean we are now in a totally new space in terms of um, sanctions on Russia, uh, the loss of Russian gas, the loss of Russian oil, the spike in oil prices across the globe, electricity costs going through the going you know extraordinarily high. So you know all of these things will have to be looked at in the round. If you were at, if you were at a parliamentary party countries. meeting and they were thinking about it, what would you say? Well, I certainly would be advocating for, uh, you know, uh, working families uh, and for those that are using cars, um, you know, through and from work and long distances, that there's possibility of some rebating system that could be put in place. All right, Billy, leave it there. Thank you for joining us. From Poland, that's uh, Billy Kelleher, Fianna Fáil MEP. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. I wonder how many people would share this particular point of view. Can we just think about the suffering of the Ukrainian people and forget about ourselves and the prices that we're paying? On the other hand, do the government think we have come down in the last shower? Listen to Billy Kelleher blaming what's happening with Ukraine and Russia. Yet electricity, petrol and food costs were rising 
before it all kicked off. And yes, indeed they were, but it's just gone bananas since it has kicked off. And the point that I was making to Billy and have been making here for ages and made it on my Twitter the other night, and I'll prepare to perish on the rock, if they want to, tomorrow they can cut petrol prices. Mary, good morning. Hi, PJ. Uh, we're on, definitely on the same page with regard to that one. Um, I was looking there, the um, taking your price of 207 this morning. Yeah. You know, um, the government, according to the Irish Times, and it's 52% of yeah. that goes on fat and excise, yes. yeah. which means it would be very, the government basically are profiting from the war. <laughs> yeah. If you take that to its logical conclusion. Well, it's true to say that the petrol prices were going up before the war, but the war has just made it worse. Okay, that's fair enough. But if you take kind of 160, which was an expensive litre of petrol anyway. Mm. uh, Well, it was expensive at 160. We've, you know what I mean? It's, yes, it has been going up. Like during lockdown and that, you know what I mean? It was. But yeah. okay, if we take a petrol price, say, of 160, which the government were getting a very nice take on. Yeah. Well, well okay, out, of ev- out, of every, getting... out of every litre of petrol. So they take the VAT, which is a percentage 50, of the yeah, price. Yeah, but 50, right? 52%, okay? Yeah. So on a litre of one, at 160, they were taking 83 cent. Yes. Okay, on a litre at 207, which is what you saw this morning, they're taking 107.64. Yeah. Right. So the difference there, there's about 25 cent a litre. Yeah. That they are making over and above what was a very nice take already on petrol. And now they're going to come out one of these days and act as if they're doing us a favour by knocking five or 10 cent off the price. You know, it's it's it just doesn't make sense. Like there should be, they should kind of be. Say there is a maximum that we should really expect to mm. take from this, and we should not be profiting. Yeah. I don't well, mind if they came out and said every penny of that extra excise was going straight to the Ukraine in relief aid. Yeah, I wouldn't have a problem. Every time I'd fill up my car with forty euros, I'd be paying five euros directly to help those people. I have no problem with that. I do have a problem with it going into the pockets of the government and them deciding what to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the figures, like you say, it is 52%, but the way it's broken down, and Michael McGrath was here on the radio with me after they announced the cost of living packages, and I put it to him about the VAT, yeah. and he gave me some story about VAT being difficult and the limited in what they can do as regards VAT in terms of the European Union. And let, let's park that, be that as it may. I don't know whether that's right or wrong. But excise yeah. duty... Excise duty on every litre of petrol is 60 cents. There or thereabouts. Excise duty on every litre of diesel is 50 cents. There or thereabouts. If they really, really, really wanted to help people, they could slash that tomorrow at the stroke of a pen. Yeah. Well, as I'm saying, without affecting their already good income stream from that resource, I kind of think, or from what they take in already. Yeah. I say you're not getting anything extra for your for your money no. when you pay at the pump, but they are getting five euros for every forty that's put into it, every single car in this country. That's a very, very good way of putting it. Mary, thank you for your call. Uh, Mary reckons that the government is now effectively profiteering on the war. 
by continuing to keep petrol prices and diesel prices as high as they are. The, yes, the excise is a fixed rate. So the excise, the excise doesn't actually change whether it goes to one euro or two euro or God bless us and spare us three euro a litre. The government's take in terms of excise is the very same. That, of course, is different. But I put this out and I'm prepared to perish on this rock and anybody care to tell me why I'm not right here? If they wanted to slash the excise in the morning and if they wanted to knock it back down to a manageable amount for petrol, they could cut the 60 cents and they could cut the 50 cents, even cut 30. If they wanted to, if they wanted, and this is the take from this, if they wanted to make it easier for us, they could. And that's the thought to keep in our heads. If they wanted to make this easier, they could. Uh, yeah, Newmarket 197 this morning. Um, oh yeah, my good friend Pat O'Brien from the Cork Lions has been on to tell us uh, about the Patrick's Hill ball run. All of the proceeds of the Patrick Hill ball run, which is back again, it's great to see it back, are going to the Ukraine Refugee Fund. It's two euro per ball, three for five and seven for a tenner. And it'll happen on Sunday, the 20th of March. Cork Lions Club, Patrick's Hill, ball run. All proceeds going to Ukraine relief. 0818 96 96 96. We talk a lot on this programme, and particularly in the next few months as we work up towards Radiothon, we talk about the work of Breakthrough Cancer Research. And they have a, a, a new initiative. They're always coming up with new initiatives to invite cancer patients and survivors and their families and members of the public from all walks of life to get involved in what they call their PPI, their Public and Patient Involvement Panel. This is another part of their research and one of those taking part in the panel is Helen McGonigal who had breast cancer back in 2018 and Helen joins me now. Helen, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, Tell me before we get into the PPI scheme, uh, your own experience, if you could, of cancer, please. I was um, I, <clears throat> I was called for um, a breast check mammogram back in the end of 2017. I was just 50 and uh, I considered not going for it because I felt fine and I, you know, had no reason to think there'd be a problem, but I did go and they came back to me the following week and asked me back for another mammogram. And it turned out I had a mammogram and uh, a biopsy that day, and it turned out I had breast cancer. It's a diagnosis everyone's so, very uh, scared of, you know, isn't it? The diagnosis everyone's very scared of, yeah. So um, <clears throat> I was, I was very scared. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but the treatment was fantastic. The support was fantastic. It was all seamless. You know, I was seen in CUH the following week and I had surgery, I went back to me and then I had um, I had four sessions of chemotherapy which wasn't pleasant but wasn't as horrific as I had feared and then I had 20 sessions of radiotherapy and then that's followed by a hormone treatment, tamoxifen which I'm on for five years at least okay. And how is your health now? So my health is fine now thank goodness, yeah, I'm great Brilliant. And it's kind of um, all behind me. Good. Although it's always there in the back of your mind, but you know. Yeah. I'm back at work and all the rest, so Good. great. 
Good. So why did you get involved with this particular project, Helen? Well, I was so I was so grateful for, you know, the fact that my cancer was found so early and for the fantastic treatment and I wanted to give something back, something more than just donating, you know, money, which obviously is very important. Mm. But um so and I wanted to support the researchers as well. So Francis from Breakthrough Cancer Research um put out a call for um people to join the PPI panel. So I contacted her and um, I went to a couple of training days and um, and here I am. <laughs> and what what is your role then in a project like this? Well, I, I suppose my role is to, or our role as PPI people is to, um, is to bring the patient into the research. You know, to make to hopefully make it more real to the researchers that it's actually real people they're dealing with, not just cells in a lab. You know, mm. so I can give my real life experience, and you know, I I can kind of maybe connect the research to the patient. Yeah. So when we look at grant applications, like there's a lay summary in in each grant application, so we can look at that and and see if the grant applicant is really explaining the good that this particular research will do for the patient, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've so, I've, been, um, I've been to the labs and and I've seen the stuff growing in the bottles and jars. Oh really? Oh, fascinating! <laughs> it's frightening, is something. Yeah, and and the work is the work is incredible, and of course they're supported every year as part of our giving for living radiothon. Yes, that support is very important from all from all sides, isn't it? It is. Yes, it is. It's really important, and I think you know this whole idea, like of of bringing the patient into it, mm. you know, and like and remember these are real live people, you know. Mm. And while, so that the research really needs to involve the patient. Yeah. So. And their family. In terms of that, like, what do you do? Do you, do you are, are you asked about treatment you had or are you? <laughs> well, I, I do various things. So the first thing I did was to model at a fashion show. That was my first um, at a Good. fundraising fashion show. Um, and then, um, so what, like mostly what I, what I do is like um, look at grant applications and what, what I'm looking to, I'm looking for a few things. I'm looking to see, are they under, you know, is it in pretty plain English? Can a lay person understand the application? And has the person who's applying for the grant or the team who, who are applying for the grant considered the actual patient at the end of the day? And will their research have a pretty immediate benefit to the patient? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, and I, you know, kind of, I, I do, I talk like this to kind of bring more um, awareness by the public to the work that Breakthrough do, you know. Yeah, and they do incredible work, yeah. and it's great to hear incredible work that people like yourself are are promoting it for them. And like you said, it's 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 the involvement of the patient and the understanding of the patient that helps that helps the research. No, that helps the research. It helps the research and it also helps the patient, I think, you know, like to um, to be involved in the research, you know, to feel that you're giving back. 
Yeah, and I'm good. Yeah. it's great to know that your own health is is very good now, and uh, we're delighted to hear that. Helen, thank you very much. Helen McGonigal, McGonigal is a member of the Breakthrough Cancer Research Public and Patient Involvement uh, Project, and we, of course, will be delighted once again to be helping the Corks. Uh, Breakthrough Cancer Research people in the Radiothon, which I just might tell you now, I have it here in front of me. The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon kicks off in 79 days' time. The year is already galloping like a runaway horse. Thank you, Helen. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96FM. Now, I may tell you one name is dominating your nominations for our Cork's 96FM Opinion Line Inspirational Woman of 2022, who we will announce at the end of the show tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, March the 8th, being International Women's Day. We're taking your nominations today and we'll draw up a short list of three and then you'll vote tomorrow. It could be anybody. And we're leaving it entirely up to you. Georgina, you have someone you'd like to nominate, though. Yes, I'd like to nominate my mom, Lily Cook. She is a legend. She is the backbone of our family. And not just me me and my sister, but also her brothers and sisters. She cared for my nan when my nan got sick. And when my nan passed away, she kind of stepped into the role as mother for her brothers and sisters as well. Um, I I separated from my husband she was my strength, PJ. I got meningitis. She was my strength. And my youngest fella has additional needs. And she handles him even better than I handle him. And that's all I can say about her. She is just a legend. Yeah. And her name is Lily. Uh, her name is Lily. She had a heart attack in September. And um, I booked Lapland for Christmas. And she still made the trip. And she was just like, and that's a t- it's 30 steps, 1,000 steps a day. And she was just there. She's just always there for everyone. She never puts herself first ever. And she and you she know? she's your nomination, Georgina. She it's, is it's, my nomination. Okay. All right. And delighted and good good to know that. And she's in good health now despite the heart cycle. Oh she she's in good health. She gave up cigarettes after fifty years. <laughs> good for her. And she's still off them. Yeah. Good so she's good health, you know, and she minds the, my sister's kids and she minds my kids. She is just Honest to God, there's nothing that woman can't do for anyone, PJ. Even a stranger on the street, she'd give her heart to. All right, Georgina, thank you for that. That Georgina nominating her mum, Lily, as our inspirational woman of 2022. Now, we don't have a big, lavish ceremony planned or anything like that. We just want to know who are the women that our listeners look up to and respect the most. It's Lily, clearly. Uh, Georgina's inspirational woman. It could be somebody well-known. It could be somebody we don't know at all, like Lily. Or just someone that you think deserves recognition. Could be someone from today. Someone from this minute. Someone you only heard of last week but they've blown you away. Or somebody from history. You choose. You choose and let us know. Many, many names come to mind. We're not making any suggestions. Well, Georgina obviously is and we might take a couple more calls. But send us a text or WhatsApp to 083-396-9696 with the name of who you would nominate 
when we get all the names we'll choose a top three and then tomorrow you'll get to vote Okay, we'll choose top three and tomorrow you'll get to vote and we'll carry that poll across all our platforms and then just before midday tomorrow we'll know who you've chosen and that person, look it's a completely honorary title but we'll be calling them the Cork's 96 FM opinion line inspirational woman of 2022 we have a few we have quite a few coming in a lot of nominations for one woman in particular but others too, others too, and again, a couple of people I've never heard of, which is great. Caller says, we're just back from Tenerife. The price of a litre of petrol was one thirty-four a litre. It was one seventy-five here at the same time when we left. It's now 2.07 in Douglas, just daft. Jean agrees with me. They could drop that exercise immediately. Never mind, do it in the morning. And the reason for that Tenerife situation is that there is no excise duty in Tenerife. They don't charge excise. So that's what they could do. They could drop it, just drop it, down by 50 or 60 cents at the touch of a button, the stroke of a pen. There's an issue with the government. It says here, there's an issue with the government bringing down the cost of fuel. There's a shortage of petroleum products because of the war. The five main distributors stroke refiners are all on allocations since last Wednesday. Uh, there could be some supply line issues. And, and that's fair enough. That's fair enough. That's a different thing, though. That once it's in the pumps, getting it into the pumps is a priority, obviously. But once it's in the pumps, the government could help us, you, me, and the man down the road, by slashing sixty up to 60 cents off a litre of petrol or up to 50 cents off a litre of diesel just like that if they wanted to 0818 96 96 96 now the City Hall Vaccination Centre closed its doors last evening after being in operation for 11 months they opened in April of 2021 and uh, there's a huge crew were working in there and I went in on Saturday and I spent an hour in there and I met some of them and we had a good chat about you know, what it had been like in there for the past uh, 11 or so months. The, the place isn't closing, as in the vaccination service isn't closing. It's just moving over to North Main Street to a new centre there. The City Hall Vaccination Centre closed last evening and now what will happen is the Concert Hall and the Millennium Hall will go back to being used as a concert hall and a millennium hall. Uh, for the last year or so, the concert hall has been out of bounds to the many events it would normally host as it hosted the vaccination centre. So we'll let you hear uh, my visit to the vaccination centre at the City Hall next. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael with an update on Cork's entertainment. Two excellent Irish songwriters, Robert John Ardiff and A. Smith, present a series of live shows as part of their This Little Tour of Ours. The tour will take them to West Cork where they play Connolly's of Lep on April 9th and here in the city at Collins Live on April 10th. Access all areas. Eddie Reader celebrates 40 years in the business with her 40 years live concert tour. It promises to be something special coming to the Everyman Theatre and tickets are on sale now for the show taking place on Thursday, March 24th. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. My name is Sinead Horrigan. I'm project lead for vaccinations for the South Southwest Hospital Group. And as you know, this is the last weekend here in um, City Hall, where we'll, from here on in, we'll be relocating to North Main Street. So everybody that's due a vaccine will be um, availing of their vaccine in North Main Street here in the city. It's great. After 11 months, we have done 287,000 vaccines here to date, which is amazing. But it couldn't have happened without a wide array of staff mm. and the staff within the vaccine vaccination teams are uh, doctors and nurses and that involves it's also retired doctors and nurses that have come back to help us and um, we have redeployed staff from Cork Kerry Community Health Care as well as South South West Hospital Group Defence Forces paramedic personnel administrative staff security the cleaning staff porters and drivers and it couldn't have happened without everyone's input so we're all very proud to have worked collaboratively together on this venture yeah i was here with my son getting his vaccination at one point and i was amazed at the efficiency it was a very busy day that day yes really amazed at how quickly you moved through people oh it was it and, and that has happened continuously in the last 11 months there was one day here pj that we did uh, 4,255 people in one day. So it was amazing. But again, I say it couldn't have happened without everyone's involvement. And it was very efficient. Um, so it was it was really good. But I suppose it's great to have done it in such a, a landmark in the centre of Cork City, such, such an amazing historic building. And for us to be here 
atmosphere in it has been somewhat special for everyone, I think. You've only to stop and look up at the ceiling here and to think of the history here. And even today to see the Ukraine flag uh, up above the building, it's just there's something special about this weekend. Now, the North Main Street Centre is already open, is it's, it? It's already opened. Uh, currently, they're open this weekend. They're open for 5 to 11-year-olds. And we were doing the adults, but they'll all be in one centre now. So uh, if the 5 to 11 are the uh, first and second doses, and all over 12s now can avail of the booster dose um, over in North Main Street. My name is Teresa Grogan. I'm a staff nurse retired since 2017 but when COVID hit I felt a need to come and help and do something so I've been here since the very beginning since uh, actually Good Friday I started here last year Um, it has been a wonderful experience I have worked in many places over the years in London, Birmingham, Cork, Dublin And to me, this has been the most rewarding job I have ever done. The camaraderie between everybody from the admin staff, the porters, the the army guys, the the vaccinators themselves, the pharmacy and the doctors, Mm. and absolutely the admin staff have been so helpful. Mm. And we've all worked together and it's just been so enjoyable. And one of my visits here, I've been here just a couple of times, I noticed a very positive air throughout the building in the midst of some of the darkest days of the pandemic people were coming in here and leaving with smiles on their faces yes in fact uh, one thing i noted when people start coming in everybody dressed up in their best gear coming in to have their first vaccination it was their first outing they hadn't been outside the door practically for months and i i just found it (laughs) amazing to see these people and they were always cheerful and so grateful and it made working so easy this will rank up there as the, the oddest couple of years I reckon in our history? Absolutely I, I don't think any of us saw it coming <laughs> we kind of woke up in February that year and just it hit us And but I think in many ways people took to it very well They, as a gr- group of Irish people we are very resilient and we are very well behaved <laughs> on the best part and we all stuck together and we did the best for one another and I think that's how we've survived it. I think there's great hope out there now that we just might be through the worst. Unfortunately this war that's looming uh, or is at present has been terrible. We all thought we were going to be able to just relax but yes definitely we do have a feeling that Covid is we are getting the better of it. But obviously COVID is still out there and people still need vaccinations and North Main Street is still running and so anybody that needs it can come there, not only children but adults as well. My name is Siobhan O'Sullivan and I'm in admin here at the City Hall Vaccination Centre and I've been here since the very beginning, like Teresa before. Um, I moved back from London during COVID, um, having worked in the hotel industry and was lucky enough to get a job here in registration. Um, so it was, we um, didn't know what to expect, to be honest, but uh, just been fantastic time here. Um, met some great friends, bit a few baking competitions going on in the canteen there. Um, uh, Cad beat the women from East Cork there with their, their uh, queen cakes, but anyway. Um, it's been a fantastic time, not coming from the medical world myself. Um, I've learned an awful lot while I've been here, and I think we've all kind of learned something from each other. Um, friends for life. Um, and as Teresa said, you know, when we first opened up, people coming in having their first outing. I mean, we've gone through different cohorts. 
you know, immunocompromised. Mm. Um, and even, you know, we did one day there for it was ch- um, children and young adults with autism, which was a learning curve for me. Um, just been absolutely fantastic. Administration is a, a kind of a global term for a lot of things that most of us think of as paperwork. Mm. There's been a lot of that. They, there was a lot of uh, legislation to follow um, as the cohorts and uh, we were, were going through them. Um, working with a computer system that I'd never worked with before, like all the team that are outside came from all different walks of life, you know, and we just were all rallying together. Um, but it's been fascinating. I mean, there was a lot of client and patient details that we were privy to that, um, you know, that we had to take great care with. We were very conscious of how sensitive the whole program was. Um, but that it meant so much to so many people. Yeah, I mentioned so. it earlier on, coming in on the couple of times I was here, the positivity in the building, you could sense it as you came in the door, even on some of the darkest days of the pandemic. Very much so. I mean, the, there was some days that it was it was very difficult, or, you know, there might be a special cohort in that was quite sensitive and um, it would affect you. You know, you'd be made of stone not to... But um, it was just everybody bounced off each other. I mean, I think from every angle in here every department um, if someone was down someone else would pull them up you know that kind of a thing mm. the goal was um, and everyone was chirpy coming in, in the morning um, and it's amazing to think that a year has gone by and that um, as, as Jesus said we're coming out of it um, but just seeing even there this morning I was checking in and still people come in for their boosters and a lot of us are going over to North Main Street so the show will carry on My name is Frank Golden I'm uh, the lead pharmacist here for the City Hall uh, Vaccination Centre and also for North Main Street. Um, I suppose it's nearly a year to the day since I started. I started out in uh, the Aviva Vaccination Centre actually in Dublin and I've been lucky enough to work in Greystones, UCD and Kyla Nearn in Wexford as well but I'm happy to see the end of the vaccination campaign out in my hometown Cork. Mm. Um, So I've been here since January and uh, what I will say, my experience of the whole thing is that we've really come from rolling out a vaccination campaign that we've never done before. Mm. Um, the importance of working with other clinical professionals, people in security, admin, and everybody offered value to the, to the whole uh, rollout of the vaccine campaign. Um, is it fair to say we didn't realise the size of this until we're in the middle of it? Absolutely, absolutely. And I remember days, like Sinead alluded to, us vaccinating 4,200 people in one day. That involves a huge amount of resource. You know, you're making up 700 vials in a day and you're trying to time that with security and how many are in the queue so that elderly people aren't on their feet, um, people aren't waiting too long, um, people are being considered for their other health conditions and all that's being attended to. There's so many things that could go wrong. But the spirit of the whole vaccination campaign, I think the the staff and everything, they really bought into it and really delivered. And and as a pharmacist, you were one of the people, I think it's fair to say, who were learning as we go here. Because here was this newly developed product that, to be fair, at the start, we knew nothing about. Yeah, and absolutely. When we first started, you came to work and you were very uncertain of the questions that would come. You were very uncertain of the operations of it. Um, and I suppose quality of the delivery of the vaccination campaign was probably something that, if, as a pharmacist, you're responsible for. So you feel a lot of responsibility, but 
you get help from people uh, like doctors, nurses, even uh, I mentioned people like security or volunteers mm. who are more than willing to do that run and get that bit of information for you so you can do your job that bit better. And Pfizer as well was a bit more complicated than other vaccines in terms of preparation. So the resources and planning involved in that um, was a, a lot more complex than AstraZeneca or other vaccines. But as I said, everyone kind of pulled together and really delivered a, a great campaign. One group that's not represented in this conversation here today because they're just not around to do it is uh, the soldiers. They really, their, their knowledge of logistics and moving people around was phenomenal. Absolutely. And I, I think everybody learned a lot from them. Um, the military precision is what I would say. They even helped us with, when we came in in the morning, we never had to worry about the equipment the vaccinators needed. It was done to perfection. Each vaccinator got seven syringes, cotton swabs, alcohol swabs, seven needles, mm. and there was never a needle or syringe missing. And it's just precision the way they operate, and they really are a great group. I'm Hilda O'Shea, a retired GP, and I came back into the workforce. I was retired three years and came back when the call to arms was made last Christmas. What, what, what was the, the call? What, 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 why well, why did you feel you wanted to come back? I felt we would be able to uh, add something to the rollout of the campaign, and it was, it was sort of all hands on deck in the beginning. And uh, a number of us retired GPs came together and we put a joint application in, and most of us came on board didn't know what to expect or how much how onerous the job would be but um, it worked out we, we were all well able for it I think and mm. the questions were varied and many in the beginning and anxious patients but as the year went on they became less and less and I think in the last few days I don't think we've had any fainters or any anxiety they're all and the, must say the patients were so so happy to get the vaccine it was lovely to be able to administer to them and as a doctor and someone of many years experience in terms of a public effort. Had you ever seen anything like it? Nothing like it ever before and it was the cooperation between and the coordination with the IT staff, the nurse vaccinators, the army personnel as you mentioned before were terrific and in rolling it out and we had the pharmacy on board mm. and the admin staff were second to none. And of course paramedics as well who watched everyone as they waited for their 15 minutes. Yeah. That's right. And then when the 15 minutes went, it, it was a, a great cause of joy to most people that they could just take to the hills when the vaccine was over. And uh, it was the most rewarding experience, but I'll never forget. Something I enjoyed very much doing. My name is Finbar O'Sullivan, and I'm the porter and driver, one of, here in City Hall, and have worked across all the vaccination centres here in Cork City. Um, I changed roles literally at the beginning of the, the programme coming from the security industry so it was a totally different mm. ball game um, I didn't know what I was facing into and from start up to the very end here it has been fantastic um, dealing with all areas within the centre itself like we have collected patients from their own homes um, with mobility issues and they would be so nervous on arriving to the centre and it was like a totally different person when you were heading home. Um, the, 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 they were just overjoyed to physically get the vaccine themselves. There was so much to do and I don't think in anyone's experience, not certainly at the people I've spoken to here today, no one realised how big this was until you were stuck in the middle of it. My first week on the job I asked the question, can you define my role? 
and I was told I don't know <laughs> at the beginning when I heard that I didn't know what to expect and now I realise why it was all hands on deck with everyone it made, it made no difference who anyone was it was get everyone vaccinated get this sorted so thankfully all all worked together as a team and got on exceptionally well. So finally, Sinead, we're back with you and it certainly has been an experience none of you, I think, will ever forget. But there was also services that went from here to where pe- to people who couldn't get to City Hall. Oh, that's right, PJ. I suppose this was governed by public health by Cork Kerry Community Healthcare South South West Hospital Group and there were cohorts that couldn't actually manage to get to a vaccination centre the housebound and those in nursing homes long term care facilities, the prisons so often we send teams out off site because not everyone has the capability of coming in to a vaccination centre as I say again back to the vaccination teams it couldn't have happened without all of them. What do you think would be the the memory everyone will take from your time here if there there was one you could choose? Well I suppose there's many. There is at the beginning the smile on people's faces after getting a vaccine as if the relief, the sense of relief they had um, from feeling that they were protected. I think there's always smiles here. It's a happy place to be because it delivers such a happy service and uh, people want it. Anyone that comes through the doors wants it. But I suppose the collaboration of staff, Mm. how we all work together and how we, uh, you can see it, you can sense it here from each of them that have spoken that there is a great sense of camaraderie that helped bring this to the success it was. Well, please, on behalf of the listeners to the Opinion Line, convey our thanks to everybody who's worked here for the last 11 months. It's been a huge effort. Yeah, PJ, every one of them thanked us as they were going through the doors, and that was lovely too. And it led to the lovely atmosphere and the feeling of warmth that all of us felt. So thanks, PJ. Thank you very much. And thank you to Sinead for her assistance in setting that up on Saturday. They've closed that VAX centre now at City Hall and all services moved to the new centre at North Main Street. If you want to know when the clinics are on, we've kind of stepped back from announcing them on air, but they're all available to you at hse.ie. 0818969696. Katrina Toomey, you need our help, do you? Oh, she's not there. Okay, right, we'll go back to her. Will we? We will. Okay, go back to Katrina. They've got a bit of a problem that she wants to see. Can we help with? On the price of fuel, they were able to save the banks overnight. They could cut the fuel tax if they wanted to, but they won't. They're afraid of the Greens, says Noel. Uh, WhatsApp message says, Leo Varadkar said last week they were going to reduce the tax on fuel. What he said was they would have to look at excise. That's all he said. They would have to look at excise. He didn't actually say what they were going to do at, do with it after they'd looked at it, but he did say that they wanted to um, to look at it. Oh, I meant to. T- I was hoping to talk to this man, and we will talk to him at some point during the week. But I think he may be back on a snooker table right now. I speak of Noel Landers from Cork, who's presently at the World Amateur Snooker Championship in Doha, and. This is the one organised by the International Billards and Snooker Federation. It's the amateur version of what will happen in the Crucible in April. And Noel 
won his first match yesterday against a guy called Belamin Yassin from Morocco. He won by four frames to one, the best of seven, uh, putting a break of 75 and a break of 59 at uh, different points of that match. He's playing his second match, and I think, looking at the time difference, he's probably on the table at the moment. But we will catch up with him at some stage during the week. Noel Landers from Cork, currently playing at the World Amateur Snooker Championships. We've got lots and lots of people coming in with uh, nominations for our opinion line Inspirational Woman of the Year 2022. We won't name that person until close of business tomorrow. We will create a short list and then get you to vote. But Faye, you want to talk about somebody. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Who do you think we should nominate? Good. So her name is Anne Nagel. So she's from Crosshaven. Yeah. Okay. And tell me a little bit about her. Um, so she, I suppose she's a childhood friend of my mum's and um, maybe about 20 years ago I got to know her as well, like her, her reputation kind of preceded her because I always knew about her, sure. you know, I'd hear her, my mum talking about her and she was just, I suppose she was just kind of the life and soul of the party kind of a person but a really good friend and as I said they're childhood friends so she knows her since she's, you know, a small child but as I said I, I met her because we ended up living in the same place and I ended up kind of becoming friendly with her as well. But um, she's been like very ill over quite like over 10 years easily. Mm. So by the time I met her, she'd had lots of operations and she had like for the last operation, she lost her voice back. So she has a button now that she talks with. So for someone who who her speech was such a big part of her because she's a talker. It was obviously, you know, a massive loss for her. It's very hard. Um, very hard. But the, like, I've only ever known her, you know, without her voice box, but she still makes herself heard. And I suppose like texting is a big thing for her. She, that's all her communication is through text mainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet she still manages to just be a very, I suppose, like a big character for us and a big support for us despite her own health problems, you know. She drives on with this sense of positivity, we're saying. Always, yeah. Like, rare, very rarely complains. And, you know, for someone who's going through so much, and, and like, obviously with the lockdown and her being immunocompromised, she saw nobody, mm. I suppose, for the best part of the two years. And even now, she's still not really seeing people. So it's lonely, but she still manages to support anyone that needs it. Right, and even, and even, even with that, your mom, she came to your mom's assistance again. She did, yeah. So, like, is that, like, I... I even said it to my mum recently. Like my mum would have a lot of friends, but when she went through something quite difficult recently, like it was Anne that she called to, like it was Anne's doorstep that she landed on, and Anne was there with open arms, providing what was needed. Do you know, yeah. so it, like she just all she always comes up trumps, like and you know, even if we had a little tip or whatever, I'd always know if anything happened that I just went, oh, I need help, she'd be there. You know, she's just always there, really. Yeah. Great that we could all have someone like that in our lives. Faye, thank you. Uh, Anne Nagel is the lady Faye wants to nominate for the Cork's 96FM's opinion line, Inspirational Woman of 2022. Who would you like to nominate? 083 396 96 96. Can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie 
The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The opinion line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96fm. Yeah, Lorraine with the details of that next big giveaway. 5.15 tomorrow on the big drive home as part of International Women's Day. I may tell you now, it is a doozy. Oh, I wish I could tell you. I wish I can't. I'd be fired on the spot. It's a doozy. You're going to love this. Lorraine has details tomorrow. Quarter past five on the big drive home on Cork's 96FM. Right, I think you got sorted, Katrina. You nearly had an emergency and then you didn't. Good morning. We did. It was the fastest emergency and solution in the in <laughs> the history of, uh, what, what of anything. Oh, the van kind of blew up and um, one of them, for want of a better word, you know, it's just we, we have no idea what's wrong with it, but it's it's gone anyway. Right. And um, so um, it just kind of scared the living daylights out of us when it happened. This and is I one of the two vans. Are you leaving for Ukraine there's or for five, the Polish-Ukraine? Yeah, there's five, five vans. Five, five vans, vans going out, yeah. So we have, um, and all the vans are like, Three of them are double manned and two of them are triple manned, which means like that we have everyone our drivers like so we're kind of um okay on that front, which is great. So we're leaving tomorrow two o'clock from Cork to head to Rosslair, then up to Cherbourg, down to Belgium, across Germany, into Poland. And when we get to um, a place called Tarnoff, we're heading into a place called Tushev in Tarnov and we're meeting the Redemptorists there who have 15 locations identified for us and that's where we're going. Now, when we unload our vans with what we have, we're heading back out. We're going to go to Aldi or Little, one of them out there, and we're going to fill up with food and take that back in. So it'll be a 10-van drop, if that makes any sense, instead on, of five no, vans so unloaded. You've got five van loads... <laughs> And thanks to Rob, you only had four vans half an hour ago. You have five van loads, thanks to Rob's, full full of stuff you've been gathering this side. You're heading off tomorrow at two o'clock. You're going to Poland, emptying the vans so the Redemptorists can do the distribution. And then you're going to fill the five vans again with food and supplies. With food. (laughs) Yes, with food. Because we got word in during the night like that some places aren't getting any food and they're actually starving. They haven't had a drop in a week and they're very, very hungry, you know, so that came in and um, so we're going to address that. But we had planned to fill up the vans anyway with food because there's no vat and food out there and apparently it's cheaper and little out there than what, than what it is here. Wow. And um, so we're going to, it, w- it would make sense like to fill it up. Yeah, listen, I think it's brilliant. And you're heading off 2 o'clock tomorrow from the North yeah. Cathedral. You're going yourself, listen, Katrina. We have, we have a... I am, but we have another emergency. We have no tape. You know the tape, the sticky tape for closing the boxes. We're after running out of about 50 rolls of them. <laughs> and Jeez. If anyone is near the North Chapel and they've rolls, a, you know, the proper sticky tape. Parcel you know, tape. You put it on it. the roll. It's brown. Yes. The parcel tape. It's brown. Yeah, uh, yeah, any one of the cash and carries or any one of those places should be. So if anyone's got a few rolls... signals there to me. (laughs) If anyone's got a few rolls of parcel tape that they can use to close boxes up at the North Cathedral, you could throw... Watch now, Katrina, you'll be ringing me. You'll have another van load of of parcel tape. (laughs) 
Ej, det er som, at de vil tape me up, og så er det unstoppet. Ah, listen, 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 you're ready. Can we catch up on the road? I'd love to talk to you when you're out there. Yes, 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 we can, because I think that's that's important for us, you know, that that we can maintain contact here and that anybody else. That, like, when we come back, we have a plan for to send another convoy out with okay. some of ourselves and others. So we'd be kind of... You know, I, I, Chris, like Chris, Chris O'Donovan, like he's going to pioneer all this. Is that the word you use for yeah, it? You know, yeah. and yeah, and okay. we we'll document everything so that if there's any hiccups or anything along the way, that we'd be able to tell the next people go and avoid this or go for that. You know, and okay. stuff. All right, well, Katrina, but, good but, luck uh, to you. We'll, yeah, as soon as you land, medical as, supplies. Okay, as soon as you land, far end. Make contact. Throw me a text. You have my number. Throw me a text as soon as you land outside, and we'll 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 chat with you uh, here when you're when you're out there. Listen, Katrina, show me. Thank you, and safe travelling, Katrina. And if anyone has some parcel tape that they've got to close the boxes. They're up at the North Cathedral just now. That's the great Katrina Toomey heading off with five van loads of stuff out to the Polish-Ukraine border. They're going to give it to the redemptorists out there. They know on the ground exactly where it should be used. And then they're going to fill the five vans with food from Niddle. Uh, yeah. She's also looking for some more medical supplies. If we can help with that, they have room in one or two of the vans for more medical supplies, bandages and painkillers and you name it, they'll take it. North Cathedral now, leaving tomorrow. All right. 0818 uh, It wouldn't surprise you to know that the name of Katrina Toomey has come up many, many times uh, to be nominated for our Opinion Line Inspirational Woman of 2022. There are many others. My name is Veronica. I'd like to nominate... Marianne Walsh, who supported me, and Toomey of North Pres Adult Education should be nominated. Fiona Corcoran, uh, is that our Fiona Corcoran? For representing the full-time working woman and mom. There she is over there. She's smiling as wide as the studio. I nominate my mom, Frances. Uh, I nominate Tafada Manduanza, uh, known as Taffy, a female neurosurgeon. I didn't know that. And uh, lots more besides. If you want to nominate someone, as I said, we don't have a lavish ceremony or literary lights or anything like that, but we will name somebody tomorrow at the end of the programme on International Women's Day. We will name them as the Cork's 96FM Opinion Line Inspirational Woman of 2022. The nominations are up to you. 083 396 96 96. Tell us who you want to nominate. And tomorrow, we'll generate a short list and we'll have a vote and we'll name someone at the end of the show. Just to mark the day that is in it. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. We've just given away thousands of euro on the Cork's 96FM Cash Cow. And now, our next big giveaway is coming. 
Listen to Lorraine on the big drive home for all the details tomorrow. International Women's Day at 5.15pm. Only on Cork's 96FM. Now they have another week of events in UCC this week, the 7th until the 11th of March, coming off the back of Rag Week, which was a week or two ago. They are now having UCC Green Week. I spoke to Alicia Joy O'Sullivan during... During the COP26 in, in Glasgow. Um, hi, Alicia. Hi, Pat. How are you? Good to speak to you again. Tell me about Green Week. Yeah, well, I suppose it's different to Rag Week um, in in a sense, but um, I suppose the events we're trying to have are to I suppose, engage students in, you know, UCC is known as quite a green campus. We're one of the 10 most sustainable universities in the world. Um, so I suppose we're trying to not only help students to learn about different things, but also just engage. Like one of the events we have on is an urban trails around UCC on Wednesday where students can go and discover UCC and what we have on our campus. We also have some fun things like we have a vintage market on Wednesday. We have a community market on on Tuesday. Um, And everyone's welcome to that, not just UCC staff and students, but the whole of Cork community is very welcome to our future campus. Yeah, the the message of the week is is very clear. We we need to sit up and take notice of what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose it's just um, you know a, a special week. I suppose look, it's it's an important issue all the time and something we should be always talking about. But it's just to highlight. Um, you know, the impact of, you know, the environmental crisis and, and in kind of in a lighthearted way, I suppose, not to get, there's obviously some um, interesting workshops going on. Uh, there's one about eco-grief. Uh, we have one today on um, By Voice Ireland, No Plastic Period, their campaign on that. Um, so it's not just, you know, strictly about climate change. It's about different sort of social and climate justice issues um, mm. and again you know as a university who works in this area an awful lot it's not just to highlight what we've done but also that we have um, you know a long way to go as well. Yeah like I said you and I spoke when when you were in Glasgow or heading for Glasgow for, for COP26 and we kind of I suppose those of us who are not directly involved in, in activism or anything like that we kind of read it were disturbed by it and said, okay, something's got to be done, and then it kind of moved on to the next item in the news. But what, for example, did you learn, Elisa, from COP26 that you want to bring to your day-to-day activism there in UCC? Yeah, I suppose, look, I I, I learned that, you know, um, all of these very high-level political events are, um, you know, they're just one thing on the calendar, and it's not just... It's not just, I suppose, about governments, and we can blame the government for everything if we want. Um, and obviously, there's some level of, of degree that is on their hands. But, um, you know, even for me, I'm the environmental officer here. And what I can do is, you know, help with students here, help with my campus and do things that I that I can do to, you know, create awareness, create change. And obviously, that's not going to fix the whole problem. Um, but it's a start. And I suppose that's what we can all do is just start with one little thing or even talking about one one topic or, or learning about something new. Um, and that's that's something that I took away from it, I suppose, because it's easy to, pay, to, you know, play the blame game. And, of course, like, those events and, um, you know, negotiations and at that political level is crucial that we have change. But I suppose we also at the, you know, even at, like, a voter level, even creating awareness at that point will 
create political change anyway. Mm. So it's it's even it's you know it's it's extremely vital that people are talking about this as much as possible. Um, yeah. And we we actually this morning we launched um, a beautiful sign outside the hub in UCC. If anyone gets a chance to come up and look at it, it'll be great. Um, it's made out of all recycled materials and it's filled with. Um, all plastic bottles that have been collected from around campus. So it's really, really beautiful sign of UCC um, on our garden. So this was that's again just to, the whole message of, you know, we kind of a representation of our campus really, our, our rubbish, um, and mm. recognizing it really, and recognizing that we, you know, we have a long way to go as well, mm. not just as a university, but you know, as a country and and as a world, inevitably, I suppose. Yeah, UCC is kind of leading the way in in, in this area. Like you said, there's a huge reduction in in energy or in waste there, rather between 2019 and 2020 alone. But my pal JP Quinn up there in the student centre, he's a huge advocate for biodiversity on campus. And, and it's just, UCC is something we should be very proud of, I think, in, in leading the way in this discussion. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's important that, you know, we're, you know, showing up, I suppose, in these Green Weeks or an Earth Day or whatever initiative, you know, like the Climate Assembly that UCC had previously, and we're going to have a second one this year. Um, and, you know, it's important that we, we're continuing that. And it's not just students um, doing this. It's staff um, as well, equally as involved. Like UCC is very much so a, a community. It's not just students doing this. And I think that's what's really crucial about, you know, how UCC moves forward in terms of our green initiatives or or any sort of initiative, really, it's always students and staff. It's never an isolated um, a, an isolated sense towards any topic. So, again, I, I, I hope, I know it, it is National Green Week, so I'm sure other universities are doing um, amazing things, but I uh, hope everyone can uh, hop along to UCC if you're around any of our events. You can see them on the on UCC Students Union Instagram or the Green Campus Instagram and you'll see all the events there and, and some of them are open to uh, the public and there's no registration or anything and we'd love to see people. Okay, good luck with it. Alicia Joy O'Sullivan uh, who is uh, a Green Officer and Environmental Officer at the UCC Students Union and one of the organisers of UCC Green Week. Thank you very much. 0818969696. Now, we were talking to Katrina just a minute or two ago. We will remain in continuous contact with her as she gets those supplies together for Ukraine. They're in the North Cathedral Visitor Centre today. They just got an urgent appeal from their contacts at the fireside that the power has been cut off in many areas as a result of the fighting. So to conserve heat... They're looking for two, three or four person tents. Now, they can't take really big tents, like these big army tents that hold 10 or 15 people. They can't take those because of the difficulties with transport, particularly difficulties with getting them sorted at the other end. So two, three or four person tents. If you bring, bring them up today to the North Cathedral Visitor Centre and drop them off and Katrina will take them from there and her team. Five vans headed out, leaving tomorrow at two o'clock. Five vans, they've got enough drivers to drive round the clock until they get to the border, the Polish-Ukrainian border. Then they're going to load off those vans. The Redemptorist Fathers have a mission in that part of the world, so they're going to look after the supplies 
and then they're going to go to Lidl and Aldi and fill the vans to bursting again with food and other supplies and bring them back to the Redemptorist Fathers to distribute them again. So 10 van loads heading off from Cork tomorrow. And then when they come back, they're going to set up and do it again. 0818969696. Jimmy says, uh, with the influx of Ukrainian refugees, I would be more than able to offer a place to stay and that myself and my wife live in a three-bed semi. There's just the two of us. So I have no problem feeding them either until they get sorted out. But how do we go about it? That's from Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy, there's information and there's a whole form to fill out on the Irish Refugee Council website if you want to help with that. Irish Refugee Council website. There's a form to fill out, which you can if you want to offer a room or just to feed some people or help them to get here because there are going to be thousands of them coming, uh, fleeing a war-torn country. If you want to help, the Irish Refugee Council has a form. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96FM. As I say, tomorrow on the programme marking, we'll do a regular show uh, tomorrow, but we will be marking... Uh, International Women's Day from a number of different angles tomorrow and one thing we want to do is name our inspirational woman of 2022 and we've got some very interesting nominations coming in for example Sarah Norbert who works with Cancer Research uh, has been nominated um, by by Mary Crowley and if you want to nominate somebody 083-396-9696 We'll generate a short list and we'll put it to a vote tomorrow um, I guarantee there will be loads of people coming in with, with uh, a nomination tomorrow so what we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll run our vote in the last half the second half of the show tomorrow not throughout the morning but we will do a vote and we will name someone about 5 to 12 it's just a bit of fun the lads on the proc are saying oh god what's PJ at now at all you know what it'll be a normal show lads you all know great women in your own lives if you'd only give them credit for it good morning proc we love you we know that you know that and you love us too we know that too anyway 0818969696 now councillor Colette Finn uh, you are doing an interesting thing tomorrow, Colette. You are reading from a book called Invisible Women. Tell me more. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Uh, yes, this is a book that's been written by a woman called Caroline Criado Perez. And uh, she basically documents the effect that it has on all of us. The fact that the default person is a bloke. Um, and she basically argues that we should be, um, you know, just as a matter of course, knowing that men and women look at things slightly differently, have a different experience. Uh, and we need to take that take that into account when we're developing policy, uh, politi- p- particularly at the political level, but also at community level as well. The, the theme of the day tomorrow is break the bias uh, Correct. Now, how does she address that? Like, I, I like the point you make. We women and men look at things differently, so therefore, 
the, the, the obvious implication for that is that when you do something like tech, like medicine, like anything, you take both thought processes into account. But the argument is that we don't. That's right. Um, and if, you, if I can describe it, if we look back through our history, so I don't know if you've heard of the hunter-gatherer society. Indeed. You know, so, you know, when before we were more sophisticated or at least thought we were more sophisticated, we were hunters and gatherers. So we know about the hunters, I think, uh, because mostly they were men, but we know very little about the gatherers. Uh, and the gatherers were the women, usually. Um, and in fact, when you look at the amount of food that was produced by the hunters and the gatherers, actually four-fifths of the food was produced by the gatherers. And so this is a point that Caroline is making around invisible women. Often the role that women play within any activity, it, 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 basically uh, history is silent on it. And we have an example of that in our own history when we look back to 1916 when Padraig Pierce surrendered to General Lowe. There was a woman with him called Elizabeth O'Farrell. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever heard of her. Tell me some more. <laughs> so Elizabeth O'Farrell basically uh, was the go-between between the British and uh, the um the people in the rising uh, when they wanted to surrender. And she risked her life uh, crisscrossing Dublin, uh, bringing messages to and from uh, the, the various people. Uh, and then when, uh, when Pierce eventually surrendered, uh, she was actually standing beside him. But again, uh, often women don't want to take the limelight. They kind of stand back. So the photograph just shows Pierce, but actually... Uh, Elizabeth O'Farrell was also there uh, on the day. And, it, you know, equally, we have um, lots of, of examples, more modern day. I was listening to the radio at the weekend about women and farming. We, we think of farming as, as a predominantly male uh, activity, but often farmers have uh, partners who are equally uh, busy on the farm, yet they don't get counted uh, it, it's their contribution is essentially it, it's in, it's made invisible. And this is what this uh, book is is describing. It's talking about the extent to which we make women invisible and we don't acknowledge uh, their contribution, mm. uh, which, you know, it's not that men, you know, want to ignore it or, or that they wouldn't, you know, talk about isn't this great? You were just talking to Katrina Toomey and you know, so many marvellous women uh, do fantastic work, but unfortunately, uh, an awful lot of, it, of, of that activity mm. goes unremarked. Something that I was learned about uh, in the last few months, we've all been, if you like, uh, refreshing our knowledge of Frederick Douglass and his famous visit to Cork that was the slave abolitionist talking to Paula Cristoval who's making a, a television show the actor making a television show about Douglas he was very quick to point out the number of women who made Douglas's work uh, who, who actually helped him to get around to stay safe to, to, to do his work while he was here they also kind of went unheralded 
Exactly. And, and so, so often uh, women just are rendered invisible. Um, and, you know, I've, I previously was uh, reading Monica McWilliams uh, book in relation to the Good Friday Agreement and the work that and they had to battle to to get their voices heard, to try and get peace over the line. And then, you know, when the, when the agreement was done and dusted, they basically uh, were told to, you know, Mm. go back to, to where they came from. You, uh, when you look at that Good Friday Agreement, now that you bring it up, Colette, I mean, we, the, the, for some reason, the name of Mo Molem is not in six-foot right. letters all over right. the north of Ireland. Right. And look what Mo did. Right. Yes. And often uh, women are cooperators. They're, they're, you know, they're trying to find out how can we make progress here? You know, what, what's exactly your issue um, women are much less likely to be interested in in advancing their own careers or in grandstanding. They're more interested in problem solving and how can we get things done. A bit like Katrina earlier, you know, how can we how can we help these people? How mm. can how can we make progress on all of these issues? And unfortunately, uh, female voices just get told to you know sit down and shut up. Mm. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they, they don't get the... I mean, you mentioned that, actually, Katrina, just gets it done. And I brought up the subject of, of Mo Molem. I read a very interesting book. I can't remember who wrote the book now after the whole signing of the Good Friday Agreement. But yes, she was Northern Secretary at the time. But what she did to bring people together into a room, people who couldn't stand to breathe the same air as each other, she That's brought them right. together, took no nonsense yeah. and said, listen to one another. Yeah. And and she would have taken risks like she would have gone to visit prisoners in in the prisons to see, you know, can we make progress here? It probably wouldn't have been something maybe a male politician would do. They might be more concerned about, you know, how will this look or whatever. Whereas Mo was the kind of person, look, it's it's about taking risks for peace. And and as we know from the situation in Ukraine, I mean, no war is worth it. I mean, when you see children dying, it's just horrendous, absolutely horrendous. And you know, women really do make the peace and that's why I'm a strong advocate for female voices mm. uh, in politics. Where is your event on tomorrow, Claire? The event is on at one o'clock in Cork City Library in Grand Parade and I'll be discussing it with the librarian Helen McGonagall mm. uh, and everyone is welcome to attend. Okay, all right, good luck with that and uh, happy International Women's Day to you. Uh, Councillor Colette Finn uh, doing that event tomorrow. You know, I had this, uh, her name came up over the weekend looking, I was thinking about this inspirational women thing that we're doing on the programme and I, I remember Mo Molem and anybody listening to me down around Glandorway, for example, would remember Mo. Mo used to sit in the pub in Glandor when she'd take some time off. She'd come down and she'd spend time in, in West Cork where she used to drink Guinness and I'm told would tell filthy jokes. Uh, a woman I met once, she'd retired from politics and she put a show on and even with Mo Molem and I got to meet her and she's just an incredible woman. Incredible woman, so she was. And there's lots of them out there. Uh, and we, you are nominating loads of, loads of great women. Loads of great women. 0818 96 96 96. Tom Walsh was on to say, uh, they're talking about Pierce surrendering. The photos were doctored, says Tom. Elizabeth O'Farrell, 
was in the original photos and was airbrushed out of it. Cameraman had pierced directly in front of him. Elizabeth standing behind t- beside him and her head and shoulders were airbrushed. But you can still see her legs. <laughs> Jamie, Tom, I love that. And on snooker, I was mentioning Noel Landers. He's playing his second match at the World Amateurs at the moment. Um, I'll get to the result of that later. I probably won't be able to do it before the end of the show because they've had they've a strange website. Their website is a nightmare to negotiate. Uh, but also, uh, Aaron Hill is playing today in the Turkish Open. Thanks, Jar. Yeah, the Turkish Open is a brand new world ranking tournament on the snooker circuit, and it starts today in Antalya. It's all on Eurosport. I know this because I was watching the Welsh Open last night. That was brilliant, the final of the Welsh Open. That starts today in Antalya and Turkey. And Aaron Hill is playing there. 0818 96 96 96. Let us stay with women in business for a wee while because there's a wonderful expo at the weekend. Shan, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thanks so much for having me. Good. We haven't spoken in a while, you, you and I. No, I know. <laughs> Tell me about the club and the Women in Business Expo. Um, so, well, I'll make it as short as I can. I suppose I have a bricks and mortar business and in March 2020, I had to close that down and didn't really know what to do. So um, I decided just to go live every day on Instagram at 11 o'clock and talk to all the businesses in the city and see how we could help each other. And... I primarily have always worked with women and the same women kept coming on every day and then they started talking to each other. And I was like, this is a really lovely community. We need a club. We need somewhere to go that we can help each other and support each other, but also learn about business because there were so many amazing businesses starting over that time um, and people were doing like, you know, three week courses, but then they had nowhere to go. So in November 2020, we launched the club for women in business, and it's a support and learning network for women that work for themselves. Um, and we are having the best fun. We're absolutely, I absolutely love it. It's the best thing I've ever done. Um, and last November, we said, look, we really need to showcase these businesses now. So we did the first ever Women in Business Expo last November in the Marina Market, and it was such success we thought, let's mark International Women's Day and, and do one this week. Um, and yeah. Uh, and like just, when, when, when you were doing the first one in November, we still yeah. had restrictions to deal with. Now, yes. now those restrictions are... I mean, you're 65 back then. Have you got enough room in the marina market for all the people who are going to want to be there? We, well, do you know, at this, like we have about six stands left to go before this weekend. Um, we've actually had two amazing sponsors come on. The Leos are supporting us this time and also Kiri's Motor Group. So we've had to make room for a car. So we, <laughs> we're a bit short of space. But, um, but no, we have plenty of room. This is for people in small business, large business. And it's a, a way for them to affordably, because that was really important to me, affordably showcase what they're doing. Okay, so if anybody does have a business and you have some stands left and wants to get involved, how can they do so? They can um, they can pop on to Instagram. I'm there, uh, Sean Horn, Sean underscore Horn. It's S I A N underscore H O R N. Or they can go onto my website and drop me an email um, at inquiries at Um But yeah, it's going to be a great event, and it's 
it's a great place for women as well. If they're thinking about going into business, we'll have advisors there like Task VA Services and Desmond Marketing. And then we've got retailers there as well. So if you're not in business, but you want to support women in business, you need to come down and spend some money. Okay, Marina Market in Cork, the 12th and 13th of March, this coming weekend. Uh, thank you, Shan. Good to talk to you again. Uh, women in Business Expo. Get down there and support women in business. And just again, just one last the list of names of women coming in. A lot of people talking about Katrina. Lots of other names coming up as well, though. Our inspirational woman of 2022 will be named at the end of the show tomorrow by the uh, Corks 96 of M listeners. Now, we're not choosing this. You're choosing it. And we all have a woman we might see as being inspirational. It could be someone from the past. It could be someone from the present. It could be someone we know well. It could be someone we've never heard of, but you'd like us to hear of. And we've had a couple of them uh, on the air this morning. But we're not making any suggestions or trying to lead you in any direction. This is purely for you, the listeners to the opinion line. Men and women. Yes, men and women. Uh, Send us a text or WhatsApp to 083-396-9696. Tell us the name of who you'd like to nominate. We'll get all those names together. We'll bundle a top three. And then at some point tomorrow in the programme, we will start a vote. So we'll get a top three together. And we'll get you to vote. And we'll name, at around 5 to 12 tomorrow, we'll name the Corks 96 of M Opinion Line Inspirational Woman of 2022. We are in touch constantly with uh, Katrina Toomey and the group who will leave tomorrow from North Cathedral at uh, 2 o'clock tomorrow. They're looking for tents, two men, three men, maybe four men tents, uh, to stick as many as they can of them into the convoy. And also they were looking for medical supplies if you can assist there to take tomorrow and we'll be in touch with them along the way. They're taking five vans tomorrow out to the Ukraine-Polish border. They'll be meeting with the Redemptorist Fathers out there who have a mission and they will get it to the right people. All right. So hopefully you can help with that. By the way, have you downloaded our app? Yes. Uh, Put it on your phone or your tablet. Very useful app because not only can you hear this program anywhere in the world, if you're in any part of the world, now you'll be able to hear the program on the app, but also all our podcasts are there. You get the podcast of the full show uh, around about half two, three o'clock. We get that out for you every day, but we also do selected parts of the opinion line in our podcast extras. You get those as well on the app. And indeed, wherever you get your podcasts from, once you subscribe, but the easiest way to get them is on the Cork's 96FM app. And of course, ask your smart speaker to play Cork's 96FM anytime. 0818 96 96 96. Now, the Cork College of Further Education and Training. It is a big name, John Fitzgibbon, Director of Further Education. Tell me what it's all about. Good morning. Good morning, PJ, and you're quite right, it's it's quite a long name, so we've abbreviated it down, but it's still quite long, Cork College of FET. Um, effectively, PJ, what it is, it's a restructuring of all the further education and training services that come under uh, Cork Education and Training Board um, in an effort to make it easier for learners in terms of identifying the options available to them for further education and training. 
and to provide pathways for people who want to progress either as part of their overall lifelong journey um, in learning or as a means to improve their qualifications and that and improve their their opportunities in in terms of the world of work so so what kind of things are coming under this one big umbrella Okay, so the most visible parts of that in Cork City would be the former Cork College of Commerce, St. John's College, Colossus Stefan Nefa, and the training centre on the Ross Avenue Bishopstown site. They would have all been part of Cork ETV services. Um, so they're changing, they're becoming campuses of the new um, college. And that our youth reach services in the city and the county would coming under that umbrella. Our um, community and adult education services right across Cork City and County are all part of this Cork College of FET. Um, And it's a continuation in some ways of the work we've been doing since the Education and Training Board was established in 2013 when the two VECs and the FOSS training function came together as this new entity of the ETB. Sounds like an enormous college spread over many campuses. It is quite a quite a significant college um, in a normal year, and we won't consider last year or the year before normal years. And that, but in a normal year, um, Cork ETB and that through its further education and training services would have catered for about twenty four thousand learners. Wow! Um, on yeah, on full and part time programs, so quite a significant entity. Um, and the range of courses and that would have been from adult basic education, including literacy and numeracy supports, right through to level six um, programs in veterinary nursing um, and other, uh, other elements, including apprenticeships, both the craft apprenticeships and the new 2016 plus apprenticeships. Mm. So a whole range of courses right across the, the, the city and counties um, centres. Well, I can endorse the at least one course anyway. My daughter is a graduate of the veterinary nursing course and could not be a happier young person, I may tell you that now. So like this development then, speaking of students, what will it mean for them, John? I think the main focus that we have placed on this for students and that is to make it easier for students to identify the options that will suit them, regardless of their age. Um, you mentioned your daughter, young lady, I take it. Yeah. We have learners who are from 16 to 80. Um, and sometimes the ways the courses have been described and the ways they've been presented in it have been a little bit confusing for, for, for learners. And so the, one of the main things for learners will that that confusion will be simplified, be a lot easier for them to see what is the course about, is it full-time or part-time, and what level on the national framework of qualifications is it aimed at. And then from that, well, what options will be available to me when I've completed this course? Can I go on to further studies or where will it take me in terms of employment and the opportunities in the world of work? Because I think you'd, you'd agree with me when I tell you that a lot of, or when I suggest to you rather, that a lot of education can be confusing. As in, for a student, I know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Two things. How do I go about doing it and what does it lead on to? You're hoping yes. to bring all of that under one umbrella. That's, that's essentially the, the, the kernel of it, um, PJ, and that bringing that all together and making that simple. Right? It should be obvious to the learner what the course is about, where it will take them, what they need to, to, to be able to engage in that course or to enter onto that course, and what 
commitment it will require from them in terms of time and effort while they're there. Um, And you're right, education can be very confusing and we have a lot of abbreviations that we use. We talk about BTI and VTOS and Mm -hmm. PLC and so on like that. It means nothing to a learner and neither should it. Um, The learner should be able to see very simply, this is what it's about this is where it will take me, and this is what I need if I'm going to engage in it. And hopefully over the coming years, and that as we build um, the structures of Cork College of Set and invest in the system, and we've commitment um, to develop the services and to develop the facilities and enable to, to enable us to meet that, that, that requirement so that learners, regardless of whether they're in Cork City, in Cove, Clonakilty, Skibbereen, wherever they are in Cork, that they'll be able to engage in a much simplified system that will give them the outcomes that they want. Now, is there any implication here in this change, uh, this very positive change, for people looking to go through a CAO this year? There is a small change this year, as you and your listeners may be aware, um, further education and training courses, including apprenticeships, went on the CAO system for the first time this year. Um, so that ga- that simply, though, gave another avenue or another option for people to apply for the courses. Um, so if they go to CAO, they will see a, a number of the further education and training courses available on that portal, and they can apply through that portal there. If they don't want to go through that route, they can simply go to the college websites as they would have in the past and apply through there, or they can go through the National Further Education and Training Hub, fetchcourses.ie and apply through there. So the CAO gives another option. It's not that it takes anything away. Okay, all right. corkutb.ie forward slash FET for more information. John, thank you very much. Good luck with the new development. Director of Further Education for Cork Education and Training Board, John Fitzgibbon. Thank you for that. Uh, 0818 96 96 96 and 0833969696. You can still send in your nominations for Inspirational Woman. Hi PJ, the most inspirational woman in my life is my wonderful daughter, Maureen Tuig. She brings us so much joy and love every day. She inspires us to keep laughing and see the good and happy side. She's so jolly and we all love her. Thanks PJ. Regards, Rita. That might be a small bit in house. <laughs> Hello, Reese. How are you, girl? Mammy T. <laughs> yeah, we've had loads. We've had loads. So I want you to, tomorrow and we'll gather more nominations and then we'll give you a short list and we'll have a vote and we will choose the Cork's 96 FM opinion line inspirational woman of 2022. Uh, to mark uh, National Women or International Women's Day tomorrow. There are loads, there are loads, loads and loads and loads of them. We'll read the, more of our suggestions in the morning. Right, that's it, I'm done. I am, I'm done. The programme edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll see you tomorrow, just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.